Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Living Inspired podcast. I'm Carla Herschel, and today I'm joined by Pete Tansley. How are you going? Hello. I'm great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, Pete was my very first business coach. He absolutely changed the direction of my life. He fully knows his shit. He introduced me to mindset coaching and changed my perceptions around what I believed I was worthy of, how I was showing up in the world, what I was prioritizing. Um, He's a very, very wise man. And so it's really beautiful to have him here today as a guest. And we have a lot of topics that we're keen to discuss. And I'm really interested to hear Pete's story. Let's go. I'm looking forward to this. Hey guys, so before we get into this podcast with Pete, I wanted to let you know that my Liberated Wealth Masterclass is Thursday the 14th of July at 6pm, so you've only got a couple of days to get on board for this masterclass. We're going to be talking all things wealth, joy, pleasure. This masterclass is about how to transcend your money problems, okay, how to transcend your time problems because making more money and having more time and freedom is not about working harder. And in this masterclass, I'm going to show you how to literally break free of all the limitations that are shaping your current existence and calibrate to a new frequency to jump to a new timeline in your reality, jump to your dream. So the Liberated Wealth Masterclass, it's $49.00. Thursday, the 14th of July at 6 p.m. But if you cannot come live or you're listening to this after, you can buy the recording. It will be available for five days after. So you do need to be quick. You can sign up by clicking the link below. And now enjoy this uninterrupted podcast with Pete Tansley. Beautiful. So I think just a really good way to open for our listeners is telling us a little bit about where you are currently And then I want to go back like through your story, how you got there. For sure. Yeah. Well, right now I'm a business coach. I help personal trainers, health experts, nutritionists to start and to scale their business. And that looks like part mindset and how to think and part tactical stuff as in getting in the weeds with their business structure and their marketing systems. And Right now, I'm living a life that I'm really happy with. I've got a lot of freedom. Uh, I have, I'm a dad, I'm a dad to twins. So I get them a lot and see them a lot and and very active in their life. And I also have a lot of freedom to do what I want, to do when I want, and to work with a a great bunch of clients. Mm -hmm. I think think I'm unemployable. Like I think I'm (laughs) a, a lifelong entrepreneur or business owner now because I can't see myself going back to that system of working and having to ask for a break and having to put in for holidays and that sort of turns my stomach a little bit yeah so yeah I'm really lucky now to have full freedom and um loving where things are right now yeah amazing um I'm just gonna put in for our listeners that I'm currently surrounded by three very small yappy dogs so if you hear scratching or if they bark you'll have to forgive me but they're gonna they're our guests today as well there's there's five there's five guests (laughs) beautiful so you mentioned the word freedom a couple of times with what you have now and this is absolutely true like I see the way that Pete lives with his surfing and his yoga and integrating his fitness with his business and the Gold Coast and it's like the dream life. How did you build this? How did you build this life? Oh, it's a funny thing. Like I was, 
I was, I caught up with my dad recently and I remember so clearly, I think I was in grade 10 or grade nine. It was one of those go to work with your parent kind of days. And I remember the feeling I had when I walked into dad's office, dad was an, he still is an engineer who worked in um, a large open office, but he basically had a cubicle and he loved his work. He was lit up by what he did and the, the constructions and the accuracy of what he had to do. But I remember feeling this constraint as I walked in there as a 14 year old thinking, I never want to do this. So I think without even knowing what freedom was back then, or I think I was always drawn to this idea of having freedom. Mm. Through school, I wasn't academic. I was someone who, if I didn't see the point of memorizing something, I was very uninterested. So school didn't light me up. And it wasn't until I became a personal trainer as a 19-year-old that I was like, wow, I can help people change their life. Well, really, I can help people change their body. And as an outcome of that, their whole life would change, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you know as well. Like if somebody goes through a body transformation, whether that's learning a new skill or a movement or changing the shape of their body, typically everything changes. Mm-hmm. Their relationship to themselves changes. Their discipline changes. Their self-love and compassion can change. They might meet new people, fall in love and get promotions at work or have the courage to start their business. So fitness became this conduit for entire life transformations mm-hmm. and I was like wow I can like do what I love and make a deep impact oh and by the way the outcome of that is you can be very handsomely paid so it was like post-school and I, I feel this for a lot of um, a lot of males like maybe it's in our 20s or late 20s that we come alive and find some passion and find some purpose that isn't maybe aligned with the get good grades, go to the good college, get a job at one of the big five banks. Like Mm -hmm. that to me was like, ah, cool. It's going to all make sense now as you look back and join those pieces together, you know? Yeah. And I want to add, like, isn't it funny how you don't have to be academic to build what you want and um, you don't have to do things like the regular way. And we have such a judgment of people that are not academic and thinking that they're not smart, but they're actually just not tapping into like their gifts or what really lights them up. And it was funny. I was recently having a conversation with um, like my mom or something. (laughs) And we're talking about a particular industry where they work 12 to 14 hour shifts. And I was like, that is fucking crazy. That is not healthy. And they're not going to be getting good results. And the person I was talking to was like, Oh, but it's normal. And they do that because it's cost effective. I'm like, but just because it's been normalized or other people are doing it doesn't mean that it has a purpose. Like, why are we still doing this thing that doesn't work? And yeah, I feel like we don't tune people into their gifts enough and give them the opportunity to shine there. Totally. Yeah, 100%. It's like, well, they, they we're doing this because that's how they didn't and that's how the generation before that did it but no one actually questions like is this the right way to do it right yeah and maybe that's an entrepreneurial thing where it's not an intelligence thing you're just like that doesn't serve my purpose I'm not going to waste my time on it yeah I think entire industries have been born out of someone's thinking or feeling you know what I don't I don't like this I want to start my own thing that goes this way and it veers Mm. the entire industry um, you know, Richard Branson started Virgin that way, right? He needed, he was stranded somewhere and he needed to get a ride home. So he went and like hired a 
pilot and a plane and sold seats to it and Virgin Airlines was born. Like I think so many times the entrepreneur or the entrepreneur to be sees a problem or sees a need and then has the courage to act on it. That's, I mean, some people fit the school system, but many don't. And I think seeing a problem or seeing a service or a product that, that can be helpful and then acting on it is like such a cool thing compared to even 50 years ago or a hundred years ago. Like imagine trying to launch a business then mm. in Australia, like imagine, okay. Without social media. Somebody. Yeah. I want to partner with somebody in the U S cool. Or, or in the UK, I'm going to write them a letter, which is going to take three weeks to get there via ship. And if it arrives, they might reply in a week and then the return that it takes three weeks to get back. And there's like eight weeks gone, you know, like things mm. were so slow. I think today there's such an opportunity for speed and for innovation and for launching cool shit. Fuck yeah. That's so cool. So <laughs> let's go back to your story. So you at 19 became a personal trainer and then how did that go? Cause I know that there were several sort of businesses before you found like you're where you are currently. Yeah. So I fell in love with personal training and well, actually the, the first job was actually working the front desk at the gym. I was answering phones. I was cleaning mm. the mirrors. Cleaning, I remember this myself. Yeah. yeah. And like starting at the bottom and then I started to learn sales and communication. And along the way I was starting to think, you know what? My boss is an idiot. I'm this 21 year old cocky guy. I, I'm like, answering the phone, I'm making the sales, I'm making the money and I'm training the clients. I can do this better than him. So I thought, screw this. I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think every employee feels that about the employer, like, oh, they're lazy. They get to go home at these hours when in actual fact, typically the owner is thinking about the business 24 seven, but mm -hmm. little do we know, right? So I, I launched my own gym then. And um, I started as a little one-on-one -on -one boutique PT studio and we started then doing small groups and then larger groups. And through my twenties, that was my life. I had facilities. I did some retreats, had a team of personal trainers and I also got married in there and things were going really well. But one of the things, and I think I was chasing success and um, I had this, idea that I needed to be like hyper independent mm. left home when I was 18 moved out paid my own bills you know never went never went back home and I was like no I need no one but that extended to sort of being dysfunctional where I didn't ask for help and I remember my now ex-wife would ask me like Pete are you sure everything's okay and I'd like be like yeah I'm fine like angrily like yeah I'm, I'm clearly fine Clearly I wasn't. Yeah. I am not angry at all. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 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 I'm so happy. And <laughs> I think her intuition, you know, could tell that something wasn't fine, but I think for me and speaking to lots of other men now, they sort of can echo this, that I felt that I had to have everything fine. I had to have everything together I had to show no emotion. I had to be the leader and I had to be, and, and the leader meant, and this is like the 13 year old boy in me, but the leader meant never asking for help, never showing weakness, having my shit together all the time. But what mm. that meant was zero intimacy. 
not just sex, but like intimacy mm -hmm. with my male friends and with my wife. Mm -hmm. Because everything was always fine. I'd never let anybody fully in to fully see me, which I was like, means I was wearing a mask. I was pretending I was acting. And, um, you know, I think people would be like, something's up with this guy because like I, I was always sort of toxically positive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can so relate. Like I am an extrovert and very confident. And I always said to myself, like, yeah, I am a happy and confident person. And I remember one time I would go on a bunch of dates and I told my psychologist and I was like, you know, it's really weird. I'm having heaps of fun on these dates and the other person is laughing and having a good time. But I don't even really know if I like these people. She was like, yeah, you're not actually listening to them. Like you're performing. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like just that mask. And um, what I think runs kind of deep in our society as well is that, yeah, that lack of intimacy. And I know for myself being female and so many of my female friends it's like if a guy's interested in you well he must like you there is no in between it's either on or it's off and um yeah it prevents like proper relationships and friendships from being enjoyed for sure and now there's a whole generation of men who um not a whole generation but there's a there's a dark side to this sort of men's movement online things like MGTOW do you know what MGTOW is no the acronym mgtow which which is men going their own way and it means it's it's like we don't need women at all you're only oh. good to us for sex but we don't even need that we can just do no fap and retain and or we can get a doll or we can use porn like we don't actually need the feminine whoa i didn't even know <laughs> that that existed yeah i'm and sure it I, goes both ways to be fair for sure. It's an entire, there's a real movement behind this of mostly, you know, I, I picture the typical guy as somebody who's been burned before, or maybe the, there's been some unfaithfulness in a past relationship and they've gone the extreme opposite pendulum instead of like, I'm going to rise up and make my life better here and become a more attractive person in general. It's like, we don't need, it's like mm. repressing any need for, for, for the feminine, right? For the opposite mm. sex. Yeah, that definitely runs deep. Um, I see it a lot, like, and in the interactions that I've had, like, I'll be around men um, that are being nice and just have this really intense feeling of not being safe, even though they haven't said anything, they haven't done anything. And now that I'm a little bit more experienced around those circumstances, I know there are feelings there. Something's going on. And it's not personal towards me, but like, something's happened and yeah it's really interesting energy and not obviously very pleasant to be around <laughs> that's intense yeah i remember reading a quote last year that floored me and it stuck with me i've forgotten the author but i can i can remember the quote and it said um the the male has a deep fear that we'll be laughed at and the female has a deep fear that we're unsafe mm. and when i read that i was like whoa like this idea of safety for women like I think our, our brains and our gut and our feelings are evolved from thousands and thousands of years, maybe before even language. And if you look at like pack animals, tribe animals, the leader of the pack wasn't put there via a speech or a debate. The leader of the wolf pack is there because they all know that person's that wolf's the leader. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. So I think within our human psyche from evolution, we can just tell something's off with that person that I feel unsafe. And the females, especially the women, especially your intuition will tell you something's unsafe with this guy. Mm -hmm. And you can sense it, I think, better than I'm generalizing here, but I, I, I typically say women are more tapped into that intuition than, than males, maybe for a sense of safety. Mm. But this idea of feeling safe, because if the guy has some leaky sexual energy or you pick up some like weird vibes, there's a feeling, there's a lack of safety there. Mm. Well, that's also why men are at risk, I feel, of being their fear is being laughed at because because women feel unsafe and the current society that like we have it's easier for women to cut someone off than it is to explain and to teach like why do I feel unsafe how can I communicate that because once you're in the point where yeah your safety is at risk like you just want to get out of there you want to cease contact with that person and so I see that a lot of men are like missing out on the opportunity for growth but Mm. There are plenty of times where I have tried to teach a man like to express how I'm feeling in a situation and it's actually not worth, it's just not worth the energy. And yeah, again, like puts myself in danger. It's so funny when we have these conversations and then for myself, I reflect, I'm like, damn, I've actually been in danger so many times. How bizarre is that? And like so many women, I think, forget about it. Mm. Yeah, but then we need the ability to talk so that men aren't having, so that men don't get laughed at and women can feel safe. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, like there's, I I wouldn't go as far as to say there's a war on masculinity, but for the last 40 years or 50 years, like men have been culturally taught to push your emotions down. Like, can you imagine like our grandparents generation, the man on the boat's going into Normandy thinking, you know what, fellows, like my heart's feeling really open. I think we just turn this boat around and go back. And like, how are you feeling, Sarge? Yeah, I kind of agree. Let's just go back. Like that that couldn't happen. Mm-mm. Or imagine like the entire Sydney police force saying, you know what, we're just going to go with our feelings for the next few months. Like masculinity has a purpose. And when I say masculine, like that, what we think of masculinity, running into burning buildings, saving the week, like that has a strong purpose. But at the same time, culturally, men have been taught for, what, two generations now to shut the fuck up, get back to work and and march on. And women, I I have a lot of female friends now who say like, yeah, we want the guys to be more sensitive. We want him to be open up. And I ask them, okay, cool. Well, like, what if your husband or your boyfriend or your future partner, what if he cried twice a year to you? Would you feel more safe? They're like, yeah, that would be great. Okay, cool. What about um, twice a month? How would you feel then? Uh, pretty good. What about twice a day if he broke down in tears and opened up to you? And like, oh, now mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel not so trusted and held and 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 by my rock in my life, you know? So mm-hmm. I think as men, we want to quantify things like how many times can I cry per year? Is it 3.18? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, but I think as well, like there is a responsibility for the collective. To, okay, we want men to, to open up, but like, what does that look like? And when he does... I'm talking in a relationship or in a friendship when he does, how will I respond to that? Will he be supported? And will I be able to hold the space for that? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, then there's like also that like misunderstanding of roles 
yeah, that the man has to be in the masculine all the time and the feminine has to be feminine all the time and the man has to make all the decisions. And it's like, no, there's a give and take with the partnership. Yeah, love that. I think that, I think it gets spoken about a lot today, the mask and femme dynamics and how it plays out. The way I think of it, and I'm sure some of your listeners will know this, but others may not, like you and I both have, I both have masculine and feminine energies, as do you, mm-hmm. as is everyone mm-hmm. listening, no matter what gender. And the way I, the best description I've heard is the feminine is the river, the water in the river. Sometimes it's raging. Sometimes it's peaceful and calm. Sometimes there's rapid. Sometimes there's a there's a, like a sheet of glass. And the banks of the river is the masculine. It's the structure. It's the boundary. It's the strength to withhold the feminine energy, right? So mm-hmm. inside of business or working or just that day-to-day busyness of life, it's like, for me, if I'm too much in my masculine, I just feel drained. Like if all day, and I can be a robot pretty well, I can run pretty well on rigidity and structure, but if all day I'm like um, planning my day with minutes and hours and we're joking off air, like time is made up. But if we're <laughs> like, right, I'm up at this time and I'm doing this task and checklist and systems and if that continues for too long, like the life force of drain is drained out of me. So now I have space every day. I plan in. And this is like the masculine planning that, but I plan in space to just do nothing, to sit in my yard, to rake leaves, to just doodle on a, on a notebook, to skateboard with no agenda, like just to do stuff that fills me up just because. Mm, yeah. And then that's the beautiful feminine flow. Cause you don't know what will yes. come from that. And then when I come back, either the next day or when I come back to sit back here at my desk or if I'm working, I'm like, ah, I feel like, ah, I just feel full again, you know? Mm-hmm. And my saw is then sharper to do work or write things or film videos or speak to people because I've invested that time to just be a big kid or just sit and do nothing with no agenda or go to an ecstatic dance or, you know, go and do something that fills up my cup in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if we talk about how at the end of the day, like everything is vibration. So we get stuck in the doing and the taking action and being in the masculine thinking that that's going to achieve the result. But if it's slowly zapping the way that you feel and you're feeling like a robot and you have to follow a list every single day, you're not going to pull in the things that align with the dream life that you want and the vibration that you want. And the, I feel the feminine having that creativity and the freedom having that joy come through lifts the whole thing up. Yeah. The masculine provides the safety and the structure and the feminine, like the creativity. And obviously they do both, but something that I wanted. Yeah. To add is that I feel um, one of the reasons why the masculine and feminine aren't being celebrated is because everyone is so afraid to do the wrong thing. And they would rather just sit back and be quiet and go with the flow and not cause any fuss. And I see how that is an endearing quality. Like we all want to be good people. That's a good thing. But healthy masculinity is also like being able to have a conversation without being offended by everything. And this goes for men and women, being able to have a conversation, being able to have different opinions, being able to express yourself instead of just trying to be a good person that fits in. Like you can be a good person and have your own opinions and talk about them. 
for sure. And yeah, like if someone disagrees with your opinion, they're not trying to cancel you. They're not like trying to, it shouldn't be that, that they trying to burn everything that you do down. We can have a healthy disagreement over a topic and still be friends or still be in a relationship or still have respect for each other. It doesn't mean that, yeah, we're, everyone has to be canceled and deleted and I'm unfollowing you and unfriending you and mm -hmm. we have no future, you know, like I think it's healthy to be able to cop some criticism for what, not even criticism, some disagreement for what you're doing. And that's fine. You know, I've mm -hmm. got family members who um, have certain political views or views on wealth or business or money that I'm like the polar opposite with, yes. but um, I've learned. And if the last two, three years have taught us anything, it's like, you're going to have that with some people close to you. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean anything. Like we can still be good people and have respect and love for each other and move forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so relate. Like the last two years, I had so many differing opinions and I was like, fuck everyone else, they're wrong. Why would they do this to me? It makes me so angry. And they're just coming to terms. They're just doing what they think is best and we can act, yeah, we can still love each other but agree to disagree. And coming to terms with that has been really healing because otherwise you just cut everybody off. And that is a, like so out of alignment with actual human nature when we need people we need people for sure and i think a lot of people like doing the work or in this in this side of personal and professional development it's like oh you think you're healed well go spend two weeks with your family and then you'll <laughs> then you'll see where you're not right it's going to shed a pretty bright light on areas that you thought you had moved through i have to say that for the last year i was living with my parents after like that wasn't resonating with my old friendship group anymore and it was challenging in that out opinions like with my parents were so polar opposite like they're like are you sure you shouldn't get another job or do this like maybe you should just you know do what everyone else is doing just to make your life easier um and dealing with those triggers and like well why does that upset me why is that coming up for me has been profoundly healing like literally um but now that it's been 12 months I'm pretty solid and ready to <laughs> move on I bet you've ticked that off. Like you've learned a lesson. It's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to um, be continually triggered to prove anything. Bless sure. them both. I love them both for the record. <laughs> Amazing. So I love talking about this, but let's go back then to your journey. So how does this sort of tie into your business? I mean, so you were hyper independent. That was the last thing you said you were suppressing all your feelings. Yeah. And then a lot of stuff burned to the ground, which I think it needed to do. Um, the marriage ended at the time. My twins were just after their first birthday. So they were still super young babies. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at the same time, one of my businesses ended. And it was funny because my self-worth was, was built on such external things, having this, you know, um, I was married young at 25, having this relationship, having this gym, having this business, having this other retreat thing I was doing. And when some of that ended, there was uh, an identity death and like this, this part of me that had had to be killed off. And a lot of my worthiness then was built on external stuff, being better than others in my business, earning more than others in my business, having what looked like a great relationship externally. And when that ended at 28, 29, I was like, man, like, who even am I? Mm. 
what, what have I been doing? And I think a big light bulb for me that I was chasing all these things, the business success and, and, and this um, idea of being a young father to get things I didn't have as a kid. To get recognition from my parents, to get love from certain people, to be seen as a certain successful person. And it came back to like, well, dude, what, like, what do you want? And mm. before I asked that question, I, there was like, there was a period of, of numbing and just disassociating. And I was still at that time saying to people, saying to my parents and a few close friends who saw the change in me, like, dude, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm still fine. I'm fine. Clearly I'm fine. Let's, let's go have a drink. Let's go party. Let's go yeah. see this. <laughs> My business is falling apart, but I am fine. <laughs> it's like that meme where like the world is burning behind you. It's like, I am fine. But yeah. it's like, <laughs> clearly things were not. And I think stuff that's not dealt with eventually comes up, right? Eventually boils over. And for me, it, it took a few months of the relationship ending and the business closing and all of a sudden this like driven guy that I was through my twenties and like with, we had hundreds of clients in the business and I had a team of personal trainers. A few things led to me shutting that down and just thinking like, who the fuck am I even like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And as that was happening, I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot to further run and not deal with shit that was happening. And through a process, I, I wish it was like a, aha moment one night but it was like several painful months of going through this i had to realize like well what do i want the next phase to be do i want my kids to be like oh dad what happened to those dreams you had when we were one year old Mm. or do i want it to be part of like a comeback story or an evolution or a growth into into the next vision of my life and that's when i went back to personal training taking on clients in the past i had a team doing that and that was quite easy for me. I picked up clients very quickly and knew some basic sales and marketing stuff that obviously worked with a team of trainers and now it worked with just me. And some trainers started coming up to me like, dude, can I take you to coffee? Like, how are you doing this? Can I buy you lunch? How are you doing this? And I was like, oh, maybe I should start charging for this. Mm. Because I realized when I gave people stuff for free all the time, and I know you know this, guess how much of it they implemented? Like zero. Yeah, it's not really appreciated. It's not valued. No. So I was wasting not only my time, but I was wasting their time because they would get excited with this plan that I draw out, but I'd see them in a few months and I'd implemented exactly none of it. So I started charging like 50 bucks, take me to lunch, take me to coffee, give me 50 bucks, we'll talk business. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, ah, there's actually a thing called a business coach specifically for a niche like this. Like I could just help these guys that I've spent 10, 12 years helping, like doing myself. And then this idea of like coaching these guys guys and girls, I just call them guys, coaching this niche was like, ah, oh, I can coach personal trainers with stuff I'm really good at and I've done multiple times and helped multiple people with. And that's where the sort of next chapter of the business was born that I could help people. And I don't have to be in the gym at 5 a.m. with a 4.30 a.m. alarm clock. I could train people on, on my clock when it suits me in a much more leveraged way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful how it grows because like I started well if we go way back like as a musical theater performer and because I danced all the time I was like yeah PT seems like a really cool thing that I could do and like I really like fitness 
I was just really good at it, really good at helping people. I was like holding space at, at 20, 21 for women that were getting divorced at like 45. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I understand your pain. <laughs> um, and then moving online and, and then into mindset coaching, like it's actually just amazing how it flows. And yeah, you had never even heard of a business coach before. I, I feel like I, I only found out about this myself a few years ago. Mm. Isn't it funny, like when, when you're going through shit, it's, it's difficult, but looking back, it's, it's so much easier to connect the dots. Like, oh, that's why I had to learn that lesson mm-hmm. several times because here I am. But looking back, you can connect all those dots. It's interesting you mentioned that performer, like the second time you mentioned that, right? Like that performer mm-hmm. in you has been a solid theme. Yeah, very advantageous for showing up, speaking, um, doing reels even, like little things. Like, wow, thank God I have training in this because it helps you to overcome the fear. Totally. Yeah, it's a solid um, It's a it's a solid thing to learn and to get good at. Maybe I had my school at least or in, from my lens, I shouldn't generalize, but it's like, that wasn't a cool thing, but I wish I did like more debating and more improv classes and drama classes and um, orienteering, like all the stuff that as like, at least for me as a high school kid, wasn't the coolest thing. I was like, man, that stuff would actually give you some life skills, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny that I was such a drama freak and like, <laughs> but I think um, I, I was a child until like I was in year 10 and then I hit puberty and then I was cool. <laughs> so yeah. even though I was a drama nerd and like a music nerd, I just remember um, it was it was okay because I was an attractive girl <laughs> at the end there. But no, it is a really good life skill. And yeah, the crumbling of your old business, like I can relate with my business last year, the friendship group, I reference it on the podcast all the time. Such mm. a massive building block. And that bringing it back to, yeah, who actually am I? And what do I actually want? Because like when I built up my fitness business, it was amazing but I was like wow I have all this money on paper that makes me feel good for about one second and then there's literally no time left for me barely any money left for me like why do I still not have any savings why am I working so fucking hard like amazing I have staff sounds cool to say for about one second where is all the things that that I actually wanted to create from this and Mm -hmm. so yeah you gotta like witness the crumbling to really know what you are looking for for sure and I think like now what lights me up is like yeah I want to have like a million success stories I want to travel the world and surf waves and choke people out and also have great do you mean BJJ yeah not just like random people but like you know like (laughs) do cool cool stuff and like um, (laughs) have like have like master skills and sisters and like close relationships and I think there's so much to be done. And like my energy is my energy now is very much pulling me forward to a cool vision and to a, to a life, to a life. I want to be as a 50, 60, 70 year old with these great memories versus trying to impress mm. people from the past. And like the energy is such, I would say it's like a clean energy versus this dirty energy. I was trying to burn before. This is the cleaner, sustained, bright light energy. That's that really pulls us forward. And I think like, I think, yeah, I think as well, like for for a lot of 
I'll speak for the males. Like, I think one of the biggest issues we have today is like men need to be dangerous, but not a danger. Like, mm. I think the, 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 one of the biggest problems in the world today is the, the males causing harm to other men and to, to women around the world uh, don't, have a, don't have a handle on their anger and their power and their strength. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> and I think strength without love is like tyranny. Like love without strength could be a victim or could be, you know, but I think strength without love, like males have to cultivate both mm. to lead. And, and I've just noticed like, even with women, like for the, for the men listening and for the women can show their partners or friends, like if I'm solid and grounded and I just sit, I can see it makes some women uncomfortable because I'm just like, I'm just sort of empty sitting across from them at a, at a cafe at a restaurant and they're like oh like there's something different about you because you just feel like there's a safety to relax and to be myself here and I think like there's a responsibility for men to know how to be in danger and to have healthy ways to let out anger but then to be able to withhold that to be able to mm -hmm. contain that I don't know why this reference came into my mind, but it reminds me of Frozen, if anybody has seen it. Like, I've seen it literally once. But Elsa, like if we just talk about superheroes, she's got powers. And when she tries to hide them, they run out of control. And as soon as she learns to master them and actually use them, she has the control and then they're actually of benefit. And I see yeah. the exact same thing in my clients. I've recently picked up a couple of male clients I've obviously worked with men before, but in the healing space, I'm now working with men as well. And they are afraid to frighten other people because of whatever trauma they went through. They are then afraid to access those emotions, to admit them, to acknowledge them because they don't want anybody else to see that because um, of the way that they've been traumatized, whatever that is. But mm -hmm. as a result, they have no control over the, um, this the what's the word like the scale of their emotions we want to be able to feel the full spectrum so that we can actually ground ourselves um and it's amazing whenever i have a, the first call with man or woman and after i'm like your homework is to feel feel your feelings like every day if you are angry express your anger put on rage against the machine yell scream beat the shit out of a pillow like i do it all the time yeah. And you'll be amazed. Like after a few weeks, it's like that backlog of emotion is no longer there. You'll still yeah. feel anger and things, but then you have the capacity to ground and not feel like scared. For sure. And I think the temptation, this is why I don't trust like the whole love and light crowd, you know, like they're mm. always so happy and positive and like there is some fucking repressed shit in there that's mm. not being let out. <laughs> And I think modalities such as dance and specific types of breath work and yeah, beating this shit out of a pillow, like stuff will move through you that you don't even know was there. Mm -hmm. You have no clue was in there. And when stuff comes up, we don't have to fix or move through it. We can just sit in the shit. We can just sit and feel it. It's okay. We don't have to rush out with um, busyness or a pill or alcohol or drugs or anything else like we can just sit and feel the thing mm -hmm. with that like sitting and and feeling it that is a like an amazing quality that we need more of because we're in such a rush 
we're in such a rush in this society. And especially once you get on the spiritual train, like the healing train, you want to integrate all the lessons immediately. Like I am making the most progress, but there's nowhere to go and there is no race. And for myself, I recently came face to face with a pattern of mine of like trying to be the hero which we would all have within us to a degree. And it definitely makes sense with me being a coach, often trying to fix people, often trying to have it together. And what would happen is if um, a friend and I were having an honest conversation and they would like give me some feedback, I'd just be like, yep, I take ownership of that. Thank you so much for letting me know. I will integrate that immediately. And I like don't actually or wasn't actually sitting with the discomfort of saying, wow, have I actually been doing that? That makes me not feel so good and why have I been doing that like acknowledging it um and also sometimes just straight up taking ownership of it isn't the answer sometimes I've had feedback from friends that actually doesn't like align and I don't um I would prefer to have a conversation about it instead of just saying yes you're right like sometimes just sitting in that and the time is like the skill that we need to cultivate. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Yeah, I think it's like a form of bypassing to be like, yeah, thank you. I get that. I'll, I'll, I'll do this and, and moving on and mm-hmm. in such mm. a rush to process and deal with. Yeah, and because that can also lead to like, if you're if we're taking ownership of things all the time without actually thinking about it or having too much forgiveness, like we said before, when you just let people... Um, like if you're in the love and light crowd and you just let people walk all over you, it's really not a good skill to have because sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is like tell someone to fuck off. Um, and like I have a, yeah, this has been highlighted for me and like trying to be the hero and trying to have it all together. And then being a woman um, and if I'm in danger, would like I've noticed having a preference to sort of play along so that I can play it safe and leave. And um, like I recently was assaulted, like I was felt up by someone in a completely safe setting in the middle of the day. And it's because when I was picking up on their energy, I was literally forgiving it in the moment. I was like, I can see that this man feels unloved. I can see that he's got his own issues. Like I can see what's going on. And then after being like, why the fuck didn't I just leave like there's so much yeah forgiveness bypassing doesn't all have to be love and light for sure yeah I think there's like a trend on TikTok or Instagram which is like that audio right it's trending like sometimes the most spiritual thing is to tell people to fuck off and it's gone Mm -hmm. viral I think it's so simple but I think there's a entire movement of people who are like so polite and so good together and would never cast or swear and or like if they're upsetting you it's a trigger and like he didn't, he didn't fill you up. It's a part of you that's been triggered. It's like, no, like some people need to be told to fuck off, right? Or, or mm-hmm. That needs to be spoken to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that comes from like understanding your boundaries, understanding, being honest with yourself in the moment, which is a challenge. Yeah. I feel it's a constant practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've had several like, one of the things through that evolution in my late twenties was like shedding this nice guy. Like the nice guy is the, is the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? It's like, because underneath that is like lots of covert contracts and things like expectations. And it's quite being the nice guy can be, he can be quite a manipulator. 
Mm. because I'm being nice to actually try to get something to go my way. Like it's actually has a, has an undercurrent of like um, the puppeteer and I've been trying to steer things a certain way by being so nice and, and, oh, she's going to think I'm amazing. So she'll do this. It's like, that's like to manipulate you. Right. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of that unshedding and in relationships in the past, when I've actually told you know, I think in one of them, I can, I can think of quite clearly for most of the relationship, I was the nice guy, the yes man. And when I started to wake up to that one time I said to her, actually, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to stay here. And she was so shocked in the moment, but the next day she was like, I've never, like, I trust you so much now mm. because you know, actually means something. Now your yes means more. Right. So mm-hmm. I think like shedding that nice guy, and if there's a female version of this, please let me know. But I see <laughs> a lot of men that I coach is this nice guy, good boy, little persona. Underneath that, though, is a way to manipulate. And it's this toxic way to try to get what we want through mm-hmm. pretending to be a certain way. Mm. And again, it comes back to safety. Like I think people can sense that and they feel unsafe around this person. Maybe not physically unsafe, but safe in a way like I don't actually trust this person fully. There's something about this that I'm not, it's not a fuck yes for me because his words, they're out of integrity somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, integrity with words when you say like, it's so important. It says, if someone says they're going to do something and they don't do it, or they say like, yeah, I want to do that. And they don't actually want to do it. All these little things, that's, they, yeah, they build distrust. Friendship, relationship, anything. Um, I've had, yeah, male partners that, yeah, they just want you to be happy. <laughs> it's like, well, but you can't just put on whatever you think will make me happy because I wanted to date you, not myself. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a real connection at all. Correct. And I think one of the one of the worst lies is like this happy wife, happy life, where like I push <laughs> all my stuff down, or even a girlfriend, but I push all my stuff down to make them happy. Mm. But that's that's not what she wants either, right? She wants the guy who's on mission and who has a purpose and is out like it's like um David Data has that story where like um the guy is going off to war and the and the and the, the woman says, I want you to stay. And if he actually said like, oh, okay, I'll stay, should be annoyed at that. Mm. Deep down, <laughs> deep down. Like she she would be highly pissed off. He's like, you know what? I'm going to stay in you and we'll just snuggle for the next few weeks in bed. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to war. Like I just said, they actually, the purpose is like, is such a s- attractive trait. And it, it also breeds safety and breeds more trust. We keep coming back to safety, but it keeps coming back to that because like, oh, he's like, he's doing what he said he was going to do. And I think Mm -hmm. if anybody feels like, oh, yeah, this integrity thing is new to me or that's something I can work on, I think it starts with what we say to ourselves. So, like, if I set an alarm for 6 a.m., I'm not snoozing until 6.30. And if I say I'm going to do these things tomorrow, I'm going to do them. Mm -hmm. And there's a time, obviously, to tune in and listen if we're actually burnt out or exhausted or whatever's happening emotionally. But... I think a lot of people don't have any integrity with themselves because they just don't do the shit they said they're going to do. Yeah. And when I started personal training, I feel like that was a big thing that um, started to change my perspective. And it's so funny how it starts such a long time ago, such a simple thing, but yeah, like if you, and I would tell my clients, like 
you don't have to train all the time. But if you do say that you're going to go, follow through and like don't let weeks pass and then you're so out of alignment with yourself. That's a frustration with the relationship with yourself. If you were dating someone like that, there would be so much frustration there. Um, I remember like recently, so I would do some cold plunges in Melbourne by myself and the Melbourne ocean is pretty chilly. And I woke up on a Sunday and the weather was fucked. And I'm like, all right, today I am going to allow myself to sleep in, but I am going to go tomorrow. The next day is even worse. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. And but for me, I was like, no, I, I can't miss it twice unless I was sick or dying. Like, no. So I went to the beach and I, I was like, maybe I'll just do some yoga and see how I feel. The waves were like, <laughs> like they were just going nuts. I did some yoga, got warmed up. And then I was like, I would just be kicking myself if the water was one meter in front of me and I left. So I mm. went in and I couldn't, I, because the waves were so crazy, I had to keep going under the waves. Like, yeah. And the water was so cold. It felt like it was burning my scalp, but I was like, well, you fucking said you would do a cold plunge. You want to be, you know, healthy. <laughs> like I do enjoy them. And I got out and this couple walked past and the guy was like, oh my God, you didn't just jump in. You were in there for a while. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like I, I promised myself that I would. And he was like, are you crazy? And I was like, yes. Yes, I <laughs> Crazy am. for keeping my word to myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a it's such an important thing. And I think I think we can feel like if you say something to me and you've been keeping your word and, and your word has power, and you say something to me, like I'm gonna believe that. Even if I've just met you, I think I'll believe that more than like a flaky yes. And because there is integrity to it because you, your words have meaning and your yes is a yes. Mm -hmm. And that is something that's dependable and is, is, is very um, real. Mm. Yeah. Something that I want to tie this into is because we've been talking about safety um, in our society when like so recently was assaulted I've been assaulted before and then I had those thoughts of like why does this happen and I could tell like I said this man was feeling unloved in his relationship he was probably not getting laid I mean I don't know but probably not the wife was probably not getting laid either and how often do we see this where people are actually really unhappy in their relationships they're not communicating their needs happy wife happy life like there's just suppression submission um, yeah, not being honest and just picking like the safe option. And a part of me felt really angry that this is so prevalent in our society is because then we're getting, we're becoming adults and having all these problems and, you know, men lashing out, women picking fights, like because of this overwhelming suppression and just trying to fit into particular roles. So being honest and having integrity with your word and starting with yourself is like such a simple way to actually have massive impact on society and resolve a lot of these issues. Yeah. Huge. I, I think, I think a lot of guys have a real issue. So a lot of men have a real issue with asking for what they want, whether it's in the bedroom or something just in their day to day life. And that's where they turn to these dark areas of porn or they, they go to these other areas because there's things not being met within the container of the relationship that they're having to go elsewhere. Mm. And 
there's this real like suppression will always lead to something else right mm-hmm. and like suppressing something in the relationship like i'll speak sexually if there's something that i'm suppressing and asking for sexually and i'm resenting my partner for not doing that and i'm going to go find some weird thing online to get my to get my needs met that way a lot of relationships are like that mm-hmm. a lot and you know, you mentioned this guy probably not getting laid. Yeah, he's probably not because it's something simple is like, hey, I want you to go down on me more. I want you to look at me when you do this or I want you to do this. Like we are so afraid to ask for that because we feel that's being pushy or that's being too needy or whatever it might be. Yet that has to be met somewhere else. That has to be found somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where we are animals at the end of the day. And then that opens the discussion to like how much shame there is around sex. Yet weirdly, it's like everywhere in society Um, because there's like a combination thing of like wanting to be empowered sexually, but then not wanting to be seen as a slut. And there is a difference in the energy, you know, like I feel we all have a freaking body. Why can't we just celebrate the fact that we have bodies like who who cares if you see my body especially when we go to the beach and we all wear bikinis and budgie smugglers why is it suddenly such a big deal if there's like a photo of that um and then on the flip side then when men and women are trying to communicate around sex which is so important either the communication's not being had um i know when i started being intimate like if a man didn't come I would like blame myself and it would we would both feel terrible if I didn't finish there's so much other shit tied to it because of that lack of being able to have the conversation it's like why why is there so much shame yeah that's such a great question yeah and there is a lot of shame I think there's I mean from from my perspective as a 15 year old boy the shame probably started then because i started jerking off to porn on the internet Mm. and it was always in like it wasn't this long drawn out beautiful ceremony it was this rushed 12 minutes when mum went to the servo to get milk Mm. or was locking myself in the shower and quickly doing it so i wouldn't get caught Mm -hmm. the two things there number one it's like quickly racing to an ejaculation in the minimum amount of time and number two is like hiding and repressing whatever it is and then you add porn into it which programs the the brain to think that you know sex is this robotic thing where they have violent sex for like an hour and then like she comes 18 times and he comes right at the end it's like that's the programming and you repeat that hidden in shame and toxicity and a lack of openness in most families to talk about it it's funny, I, I um, went on a um, uh, no ejaculation cleanse about five or six months ago. And the goal was to get to 100 days. So the, the, the challenge was to be able to hold more energy within my body, right? So mm-hmm. um, I could still self-pleasure. I could still ha- have sex. I couldn't ejaculate. Epic. So, so porn was off. Um, I even went through the first half of that of not even seeking validation from women at all. And I realized like when you fast from anything, you realize your addiction to it. I realized how many little leaks I had throughout the day, throughout the week of trying to get validation. Mm-hmm. So like I'd order a coffee and it only had to, could be transactional. 
Like mm. I couldn't, like I can be pleasant to the to the barista. I could be nice, but it couldn't turn into this like flirty, high energy exchange. No eye contact, none of that. And, <laughs> and at first, I went like the extreme opposite, where I was just like this cold robot. Yeah. Like I'm black. Here's my money. Okay, bye. And then I think because I, I would frequent the same cafes throughout the week, I, I think like some of the people would have been like, dude, what's happened to this guy? He used to be so nice. Now he's like this dick. And I realized like, oh, I can still be pleasant, but it made me realize. Like, getting laid. <laughs> yeah. But it made me realize like how much I was getting all these little hits of energy through these exchanges as a form of like, like a little bump mm -hmm. of little bump of cocaine, just for more energy, like a little bumpy, little bump mm -hmm. there. And, but it was such a powerful practice. And I have, you know, some close women friends, most of them are in relationships, but we'll catch up as friends. And they're like, yeah, you just seem like this higher vibe and more calm. And I think for a lot of males, the energy would build and we would release that through ejaculation. Mm. Mm. And I think there's such an obsession with like, that has to be, that's like sex is about getting to that destination, right? Mm -hmm. um, like it's outcome focused. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's taken me years to understand that it's not about that. And even now I feel I really am just scratching the surface as to what a sacred energy exchange is supposed to be. Um, I know many women that also like touch themselves when they were kids. So like, oh, wow, this feels good. And then like family be like, oh my God, don't do that. Um, and suddenly there's like heaps of shame and it's a bizarre one. Cause like, how do you have that conversation with young people? My like my parents took me to sex ed, which was actually really fantastic, but that wasn't at all about pleasure or how to understand that or how to understand your body or communicate. It was just like, you know, girls get periods, grow pubic hair, men have penises and like very, very based on like the physical body and not that, yeah, the actual energy exchange that's happening. And I want to jump in as well with the porn conversation. Like um, I have plenty of female friends that are into it, but for myself, it's always made me really uncomfortable and I have tried to get into it, but watching, it just felt wrong from the beginning. And like, I've even tried to work through this because for so long, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Everybody else likes it. Um, and I got down to essentially this, I can tell there's no intimacy and that just does not align with me. And there's, there's no judgment for anybody that does watch that. But it's difficult than being a woman and seeing how prevalent it is. And I have met young men that have trouble getting it up or they have erectile dysfunction because of it. And um, plenty of men that will hide it or like I had a partner that was a tradie and he would tell me how they were just constantly sharing images. And I was like, fuck, I cannot believe that this is so prevalent. Like I know it, I can believe it, but um it's just a shame because to have all men watching it who are people you're going to partner with and then it's something that makes you extremely uncomfortable. For sure. Yeah, like, again, I've got no judgment for people who are into it or who like it. And I think there's more um, ethical porn coming out now, which is produced with a bit more integrity. Mm. But yeah, I think it can lead to, I can only speak for the male perspective, but I think it can lead to massive problems with performance, with performance anxiety, with ED. Um, 
with just a warped percep- a perception of what it is. And now to the point where, you know, if you have to jerk off to like weird niche porn that involves three women and two dudes, like now if you're with a beautiful woman having sex, you're not even that turned on. Mm-hmm. Your brain's so used to so much pleasure coming from this weird thing, like so much dopamine coming from the screen that when you're with one beautiful woman who's totally surrendered and relaxed around you, you're still not getting hard. Mm-hmm. And that could be he's in his own head, like he's he's worried about performance, or he's comparing that to the stuff he looks at five times a week, which of course nothing can compare to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because people might almost be like, "Why are we talking about this on this podcast?" But how you do anything is how you do everything. And also, my intention for this podcast is just fucking epic conversations. So in that regard, box is ticked. <laughs> but how you do anything is how you do everything. So when you're saying like this validation that you were seeking from the opposite sex ties into the way that you show up with work and it was depleting like your energy levels and honestly something that I'm really being introduced to as a woman especially is like having pleasure in your life so for women it's also tapping into the sensuality and pleasure could just be like eating a piece of cake and fucking loving it like actually just loving it. And when you give yourself permission to do that, it opens up another like energetic field, energetic capacity. Um, Because when we talk about sacred energy exchange with sex in that regard, everything is energy. (laughs) It's actually no difference between sexual energy like Kundalini and just energy in general. So when you can invite pleasure in, in all forms, and raise your vibration in that way that's incredibly empowering yeah and like with my work with my clients the first step is like usually healing the trauma what are the energy leaks what are you ashamed of that we want to be able to release and let go and then it's like okay now how do we raise your vibration how do how do we bring more fuck yes moments and excitement into your life and that includes pleasure for sure and i think as well like there can be an attraction or arousal, but we can just sit with that. We don't have to act on every, like the, just because there's an attraction to a, a, we can have attraction to places and to things, but definitely to other people. It doesn't mean that we have to act on that and take it any further. Mm-hmm. What the, that the clans taught me, I went 77 days of like almost daily self-pleasure, but no ejaculation is like, we can hold so much more vibration and so much more pleasure without having to release. Hmm without like 10 seconds of uh, male orgasm and pleasure. Like I can hold days of this higher vibration, this high energy and like Carla, my creativity and my ideas and my energy were at all time highs. Mm, that's so I, think, I think too many males like have to release that energy, you know, daily or multiple times a week or twice a week when if they learn to withhold that and, um, just let the energy build a lot of other areas in their life would improve. It's funny how what we're taught in school, like I never heard of withholding ejaculation until maybe last year, if I'm honest. Um, Obviously that is not discussed in school. And on top of that, like putting teenagers onto hormonal birth control, which totally detaches women from their bodies and, you don't need to learn about your cycle because you can just take a pill it's so bizarre and I'm like I mean 
it's definitely becoming more prevalent, this knowledge of ancient wisdom um, and the spreading of that. How, I know you are now like quite a big speaker on withholding. What is your intention there? And like, why do you want to get that message out? Or where do you see that going? I think like on the other side of withholding or yeah, I call it retaining is just learning to hold a higher frequency is what it really is. Mm. And it, it teaches you that on the other side of like this short-term payoff, this short-term supposed reward is like a greater reward. You know, it's like that, the famous marshmallow test they give to kids, right? That, if you say no to one marshmallow now, you get two later. It's kind of like that. But I, I felt all these in my life and I felt um, more attraction from the opposite sex. And I think what that was speaking to a few friends about this, and I've got friends who are sex coaches and in the sexuality space, just say like, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a lack of neediness. Like you can mm. smell or you can sense the guy who hasn't had sex for three years and lives in mum's basement you can sense yeah. that need that neediness so the opposite of that is a non-neediness and that's actually a very attractive place to be in whether and we can talk about neediness inside a business like i'm sure you've been on sales calls where the person on the other end you can tell they want your business and then there's, there's an attached neediness to you there mm-hmm. neediness inside of sexual relationships even neediness as a as a friend mm-hmm mm someone's very needy towards you it's it's kind of a there's a subtle repulsiveness to that like it's not an attractive quality to be around so i think for men and and maybe for women listening they can show this to their male mates or partner like on the other side of retention and learning to retain is more energy i was needing less sleep and feeling amazing i had so many ideas or downloads and creative thoughts come to me and a big part of it was through that retaining. People say, do you have studies for this? Or where's the studies for this? Try it for 30 days. <laughs> yeah. Try it for 30 days and come back to me and you will feel a significant difference in your health, in your creativity, sleep, um, relationships, how you're calm in a conversation. And it's like, it reduced so much noise out of my head. Now I just felt more grounded and still feel more grounded cultivating those practices now. Mm. Yeah, neediness. There's a difference between asking consciously for help or opening a conversation and needing someone's energy and validation. Like I went on a date a few months ago because I met a guy at a beach. He was really lovely. And I was like, well, I'm pretty open-minded. Like it would be fine. I'll get to know you. And um, we were chatting. It was really lovely. And at the end, I was like, all right, see ya. And then he reminded me um, that I said I would show you my tattoo, which is on my back. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll show you my tattoo. So I just lifted the back of my shirt up for him to see. And he was like, wow, that's so amazing. And he touched my back and like fully like outlined the tattoo. And I knew he just wanted to touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, and ma- maybe people will argue that I was wrong, but I, I reflected, I'm like, nah, there was actually needy energy from the beginning. And the date had wrapped up really wonderfully for him to ask that. Like he, he it was like, oh, I need something. And then I was like, bye, never again. <laughs> like, just don't need to. I mean, there were other things, but yeah. um, yeah, very subtle, like differences. Yes. 
Yeah, powerful, right? But your intu- in- your intuition was right. Something was right there for you and you knew it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, yeah, I won't get into all the just other little things. But then let's go back to your story. <laughs> so, where were we? Like, you have shifted your business so much. So then you started giving out business advice. You became a, a business coach online. I worked with you. How... Like, and I know when we um, worked together, it was still like very much in the masculine, I feel. And I've seen, you've seen me grow. I've seen you grow. And there's definitely more balance and feminine energy, feminine flow in your work now. How has that changed your business? Mm. I remember learning about this stuff on one of the retreats I'd been on and it was led, it was a men's retreat run, run by a female and I was like, will I still be able to, will I still be able to make sales if I tap into this feminine energy? And she's like, of course you will. Like it'll make you better at that stuff. But yeah, 2019, I was very still rigid and robotic and, um, you know, I would cancel social plans because I wanted to be in bed at a certain time and be on this robotic roster. And I'd minimize joy in the present for perceived joy in the future. Mm. and i i business grew massively that year because of the structure and the systems were working well but the joy in my like quality of life was very low Mm -hmm. right um i wasn't like at rock bottom but it it wasn't i wasn't loving life and i became i think what's dangerous is by not feeling the bad feelings and allowing yourself to feel what's at the bottom you also kind of minimize the range at the top. Mm-hmm. So I was like, kind of always here. I'd never experienced lows and heartbreak and I would never feel anything if it was bad, but I also wouldn't feel like the elation and the joy and the ecstasy that just would come through pleasure and moments in my day-to-day life. Yeah, well, like mentioned earlier, like you suppress the negative, you inherently suppress the positive. Your scale is lowered. Yeah, and I think... I was still, even then, this is only a few years ago, I was still not letting people in and being very guarded and protected because at the underneath all of that was just a little boy who didn't want to get hurt. And there was so many, like through plant medicine and through breath work and through different journeys, like there were so many layers that had to be unshared and just a real sense of coming back to me, like coming back to like, who is the 10-year-old Pete in there? Because... Mm when I tap into that, like business improves because you're at your best and you're a magnetic and you're attractive and team members want to work for you and clients want to pay you more money and like everything improves. And there was a real, like coming back to myself, you know? So I think it was, there was some painful, like I remember sitting in like plant medicine journey, just like bawling my eyes out for hours as like, you know, in my, on the journey was like this little 10 year old peach is finally being held and supported. And through many journeys like that, it's like, Oh, I I get to be like, I get to feel all the things Mm. I can feel the sadness or the loneliness or whatever I was feeling, but I can also feel like that the insane highs, you know, and and I'm talking like sober highs, like the Mm. insane highs that life can give you day to day. And just like now I'll watch, 
my daughter, like she just dancing like these little shows she practices for her grade four concert. I'm like, this is like the most beautiful thing. Like I want to well up with tears or I'll see like a beautiful sunset and just be like, man, there's so much like insane beauty in these little moments. And I can allow myself to feel those. And I can allow myself to cry with sadness or to feel the depth of the, the full spectrum, you know, mm. and both are beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty special when you give yourself permission to really live. And when we go back to like all this fear that people feel and they just want to fit in, I feel it's it's the fear of death in that people want to fit in, they want to be included by the group, they just want to keep safe, so they suppress. But then it's like, but are you really living? Like, are you, you know, so afraid to die that you refuse to live? And now for yourself, like embracing the negative emotions and then also the positive emotions, it's like, fuck, I'm really alive. Like I'm really here. I'm really participating in this, really being who I am. Yeah, a thousand percent. And like the last one to two years, like I've, um, I moved back to the Gold Coast about two years ago from Brisbane, but like I've met an amazing group of friends. I've met amazing people into my life because like, I'm just myself now. Mm. I'm just me. And these people, like I had this fear in my late twenties and early thirties, like, Oh, I'm not resonating with my old high school friends. Their beliefs are very different to mine. They're not in business. But now I'm like, at the time I remember thinking, I'm just going to have no friends. But now it's like, as those people fall away and I didn't like fire them or break up with them. They just sort of naturally drifted away. now there's like these new people which bring you opportunities and new experiences. And it's like, ah, oh, this is where I, like I'm home now. Like I belong, you know, here with these people. And it feels like I've known them for 20 years. Mm. Yeah. And that's like the importance of authenticity so that you can actually be yourself. And I know when I started to become successful, whatever you want to call it with my fitness business before I'm making a lot of money and dealing with different situations to my friends at the time who all had full-time jobs or they were still studying. I had this belief that as I become more successful, I'll be lonely. And especially like, actually, as I make more money, I'll be more lonely because I have less people to relate to. And it's amazing how that has shifted and with the healing work and stuff. And it's like, actually those friendships were falling away simply because our interests didn't align. We just didn't have things in common anymore. And what I'm finding now is still um, my relationships are not at all based on money. That was like a, my own money trauma coming through. I have friends at all different areas of their journey. And the only thing that what makes us connect is if we can be authentic together if I can speak my truth and speak about what I'm going through, no matter what scale of the problem and that they can still see here and like be there for me and the same for them. So things shift and it's like that permission to just be your authentic self. You don't have to have everyone like you. You don't have to have friends that are only in big business. You don't have to have friends that all work full time. Yeah. You just get to be your true self. For sure. Yeah. It's very, powerful and when people see you as that and ex accept you as that which you know good people will it's like it's like ah i can mm. be it's safe to be authentic you know and it, i think it's like inspiring for other people when you say no 
you give other people permission to say no. And when you can be like the silly kid that we all are at the end of the day, it gives other people to permission to just be themselves. It, can we all just like relax, please? So, yeah, it's a huge permission slip, 100%. Fuck, yeah. This has been so good. Is there... <laughs> yeah. Is there like one piece of advice that you would like to give our listeners today? Mm. Yeah, I would say that we're all going to make it. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Whatever you're going through, we're going to get through through it and we're all going to make it. And that's not to rush out of things like we were saying before and just be like, oh, you'll be right. This is fine. But like suppress. to know that, to know, yeah, suppress, push <laughs> To know that like when we're 99 years old in the rocking chair, looking back, it's like, oh, that was, that was a hell of a ride. Mm. We made it. What an experience, what a joy. And I think like, you know, there's still, I'm only young. This was so much to learn, but if we can get to that rocking chair and be like, ah, oh, like I lived authentically and I spoke up and I did, I got after what I wanted to get after. I think that'd be such a cool thing for us all to like remember and to remind Mm. thank you so what would much yours be? i'm not sure if people ever ask you that back what would yours be oh my piece of advice for people right now yeah just give yourself permission to feel joy yeah like joy is so underrated me lately that's like my main focus joy celebration fun play those are things that really resonate with me and um just making life more of a fuck yes <laughs> instead of like oh yeah I'm fine I'm doing this I'm like no fuck yes let's fucking do it like find things that light you up like that and sometimes mm -hmm. that will just be sitting on the couch yeah. and sometimes it'll be skydiving <laughs> on my vision board I have like swimming with sharks skydiving I found this restaurant um in the Maldives where you can eat underwater Anyway, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's called Itha. And I was like, that is going on my vision board. You could As surf in the morning and then eat that at that restaurant in the afternoon. Yeah. And um, like I was telling my uncle about it, and he was like, I would never dive with sharks. That's so unsafe. And me, like, well, it's only unsafe if you're in the fear vibration. <laughs> if you go in there with the, <laughs> the, sharks, the sharks know. <laughs> Yeah, but it's been funny since I've, I've yeah, just been giving myself permission to follow the joy. That doesn't mean that I'm doing stuff all the time. Not at all. But me personally, like, yeah, I'm 100% going skydiving as soon as I can. Love that. <laughs> Amazing. So please let everyone know where they can find you and like, if there's anything you want to share. Yeah, I think the easiest place would be Instagram. If you search my name, Pete Tansley. It's not a common surname, that's T-A-N-S-L-E-Y. Um, we can connect there. I'm pretty active on there and we can connect that way would be best. Easy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you on another time and I have an that. amazing day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Bye.
Thank you everyone for listening to this beautiful podcast with Pete Tansley. If you want to find him, the links are below. And now a reminder that my Liberated Wealth Masterclass is Thursday, the 14th of July at 6 p.m. And if you can't come live, you can still purchase it for five days after. This masterclass is about how to transcend your money problems, to literally jump to a new timeline, calling in more wealth, more abundance, more joy, more pleasure this masterclass is going to be a game changer. And in that, I'll be talking about my mastermind, The Wealthy Woman, which starts on July 25th. So I hope to see you there. Click the link below to buy your ticket. Bye.